0: Let's go. Good morning. Welcome back to the pod. Matt Kim, Peter Saddington. How are you today, buddy? Good morning. Good morning. How are you, brother? I am fantastic. Um, Here on the Matt Kim podcast, we like to talk about several things. So if you're new to the pod, we like to talk about anti-establishment. We like to talk about different conspiracy theories with our tin hats on. (laughs) But the most important, different social issues. The most important thing that we value the most, that we love to talk about is family. Absolutely. And that's what today's topic is going to be about. Parenting. Modern parenting in this new age. For people that are maybe a little sensitive to this topic, I think I just want to lay out a couple ground rules Or um, disclaimers. Number one, having two parents in the household is infinitely better than having one. Mm. It's unfortunate if you are in the situation where you are a single mom or single dad or divorced. I'm sorry. But maybe some of the words of advice from our experience will help you. Mm. But know that raising your own kids is always better than having someone else raise your kids. Fair enough. It doesn't matter if you say, I have the best daycare in town. Doing it yourself will always be better. These are kind of the basis of what we both believe and understand. Mm. So if you're like, well, I'm doing my best. Yes, you are. However, (laughs) don't be triggered. It's better if there's two of you.
1: And so... What's fascinating to me as you introduce this topic, Matt, is that we, we had you had to put this under a disclaimer context. Correct. As if saying that being raised under a two-parent household is some sort of egregious hmm. idea, some triggering idea in today's society. So that would be the first place that I would want to sit down and unpack a little bit is why is it that merely saying that being raised in a two-parent household, why is that such a triggering idea in today's world?
0: I don't know if it's triggering. I think it's people are self-reflective. So would you say it's
1: offensive to people that are are considering this? Maybe poking at people's guilt. Mm. So if I were to go farther, poking at their failure, maybe if they see it that way? Yeah. It's a sticky topic, yeah. no doubt. It's like tough. I'm glad we're talking about it because this is kind of part of humanity. Let's be intellectually honest. Part of humanity is you grow up, you have sex, right? Because we mm. need to proliferate our race, uh, and there's relational aspects to the human experience. And so we now live in a spectrum of human relationships, and what we're talking about is a two-parent household. And for some reason, and I think I think we're not pulling this out of thin air here. I think for some reason in today's world, that can be a sticky and maybe offensive topic for people who are not in that situation.
0: And if this idea is difficult for you to hear, how are you ever going to have even more difficult conversations with your kids moving forward? Mm. If you can't even bear to listen to maybe hard truths, you're never going to be able to have hard truth conversations with your own kids. So if this, some of these, Situations that we've described today are relevant to you. Maybe some of it may be difficult to listen to, but I encourage you to be open-minded and at least try. So if we were to if we were to create a, a larger
1: meta-narrative here, the larger meta is that people in life, as they go through life, they make decisions, they make mistakes. Sometimes you fail. Mm. Actually, not sometimes. I think we've all failed in epic epic ways and epic epic proportions unlimited failures unlimited failures in a lot of uh, yeah i mean life is essentially about failures and i think some people can see us picking on them or being probably a better word here being judgmental mm. by merely discussing this idea i don't i don't feel like you have any judgment in your bones no. I certainly don't have any judgment in, in our bones, in my bones, and the reason is is because we don't know who's listening. We don't know who's out there. We hope that you're listening. You're listening in, intently, and you're, you're enjoying the content that we talk about, and the, maybe the prickly subjects that we're willing to bring up. Uh, but in no way, and it, we ha- in no way, shape, or form do we have any intent to judge mm. other people in their past decisions or judge people in their mistakes and failures. I think you and I could be the first to raise our hands and say that we have messed up in many, many many ways, not only as a man, as a father, and even as a husband. Is that fair? That's completely fair.
0: And, yeah, I agree. If there are... Um...
1: So while you're, while you're thinking there, I think if I were to interject a a kind of commentary on why I think this is a prickly subject is because people don't generally like topics around failures that they have experienced and especially failures that are so personal, right? Let's be intellectually honest. When you marry someone in most cases, not every case, but in most cases you stand before your peers, you stand before your family, you stand before a man, uh, or, or or, woman of the law, which is exacting the law, right? They're having you sign the marriage papers and documents, these types of things. Uh, and you are professing that you are going to commit yourself to this individual for the rest of your life through good, bad, through sickness, through health, through hell or high water, all these things. And let's be intellectually honest, we're close to 60% divorce rate mm. in today's society, And so I think a lot of people having this idea of marriage, of relationships, of a two-family household is not only can be categorized under a personal failure, but it is a public failure, which Mm. makes it even more sticky. makes it even more maybe shameful, and I think people, when they move into that world of, hey, they're talking about something that I failed it at. They're talking about something that I wish I could have done better at. That shame rises up in the gut, and I think some people tend to lash out maybe and say you're being judgmental or you're, you're not being sensitive to, to other people. It's like, no, actually, we're just talking about it. So if I can interplay and interject some color commentary there, I think people in today's world might be overly sensitive or might just be sensitive uh, of their failings and to be reminded of that if you see your marriage dissolving and you only have a you know, one parent uh, family and you're raising your kids on your own, this could be seen as a personalized attack uh, of your failure. So I get that. I think I'm, I'm trying to trying to spread a, a, a broad swath of people that might be listening here. But again, we're not here to judge. We're here just to discuss it. And we're here to open up ideas. And we'd love your comments in Discord or in uh, the comments below. Certainly smash the like button. Glad you guys are here.
0: And that kind of intro reminds me of the very first conversation that we had where we talked about the role of men in society. Uh, So the very first episode that me and Peter did together, we talked about the role of men. Mm -hmm. If you want to go back and listen to that one, we'll link that below. We also did another one talking about modern parenting and technology. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go back into um, the technology debate, we'll link that one also. You can definitely go back and listen to that one. Today's episode is from our perspective based on our experience. We don't know your individual situation exactly. There are idiosyncrasies in every relationship, every parenting situation that we cannot possibly understand from where we sit. Mm. But we're doing as if what, what we would do if we were in that situation based on what we know. Again, like Peter mentioned, no judgment. Secondly, I want to mention that if this type of content is interesting to you, we talked a little bit earlier about it, but we proposed a closed community mm-hmm. uh, where people and parents or single parents or you know, nuclear parents, is that the right word? Yeah. Want to engage and have these types of discussions in a closed community uh, with us, with other like-minded individuals, people that are trying their best to raise their kids the right way in a world where it seems like it's very difficult to do so. Mm-hmm. We will be creating that community it's something that we've talked about today. And uh, if you want to get updates on how that's going to be and where that's going to go, uh, go to freethinkermovement.com and just sign up for the mailing list. And in the mailing list, you'll get an update once we're ready to launch. And we'll leave that link in the below as well.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and this, this behind-the-scenes content, this, if I could say, private community, mm. right? It's a paid community. There's a paywall, right? We have to strike a balance between... Uh, having the price be just enough where it's worthwhile for the individuals who want to participate and engage effectively and actively, but also has to be high enough where we ensure that the trolls who just right. want to just flame us uh, aren't uh, aren't joining in as well. But this really is—if I can add some just color commentary to this—this this really is an out cause of what Matt and I really care about in life, which is family. Family is such a huge part of our culture. It's a huge part of how we were raised. Obviously, as a, as a father now, and for me as a father, this is something that is just abject in your face all the time. You have to deal with these kids. You have to raise them as best you can. There are opportunities, and I think I can speak for you, Matt. There are, there are opportunities every bloody day to mess up mm. with your kids. Like every single day, you have an opportunity to mess up the day for your kids by not responding appropriately, by not you know, not being attentive. I could go on and on and on. We're probably going to ex- extract and uh, expound on some of these ideas later. But this is something close to our heart. And we believe, and we hope that our audience out there, there's a, some segment of our audience that would be interested in this as well. And we'd love to help uh, other parents, whether you're a two-parent household, single-parent household, whether you're um, on a, on a sh- I'm not using the right words, but like a share plan with your kids, uh, share plan with your kids, what's the right word? Co-parenting, co-parenting. Co-parenting. Co-parenting situation, which is, has 90 different permutations to it. If you have family and you're interested in our perspective in family life and hopefully maybe some advice on how to help your kids survive and grow within this new world order of technology that we live under, we'd love to have your participation. We'd love to see you guys behind the scenes. So again, join the newsletter uh, and uh, we'll let you know when we when we
0: begin. Yep. Hopefully sooner or later. Um, but... That's what we're working on in the background, everyone. Mm. All right. So I want to break down the conversation today into four specific types of parenting situations. Okay. And maybe we can get your reaction. Sure. And maybe I'll give some reaction, but we can get a feel of what we would do in these situations to do our best to raise children. Before we get into these four
1: categories, Matt, uh, if you're okay with it, I think it's important for a little bit of preamble for our audience out there who might not have been checking in or seeing the previous uh, episodes is what context are you coming from? Hmm. Um, And I think that's important because it it sheds light on your perspective, right? And so I'm going to just ask the question, tell, tell the audience, Matt, if you're, you know, whatever you're willing to divulge here, what family experience did you come from? How were how were you raised? Give us kind of the overall prospectus. Were you raised by a single parent, multiple parents, divorced parents? So give us give us a little bit of that skinny so the audience out there can at least ground themselves in this is where Matt's coming from, this is his perspective and maybe that's why his commentary is colored the way that it is.
0: I grew up in my parents are amazing. I love them. They were Immigrants, they came here during graduate school and I was born in this country. They lived, that immigrant, they didn't do the small business. They were in academia and in um, science. But they spent a lot of their time working and a lot of their time in church. I did not see my parents very much growing up. Mm -hmm. They were busy. Mm -hmm. They, they, were working number one, number two, they felt as though they had a higher calling and they spent a lot of their time within and around the church. Mm. I used to spend a lot of time at church hanging out because that was their way of making sure that I was around. But I didn't spend an over huge amount of time with my parents. I think growing up and I'm an only child. Mm. Mm. So I felt I always felt kind of alone growing up. I, that's why I think I get along with a lot of people. I think that's why I'm very open with people because it's my way of, I don't know, not being so alone. Although you can leave me alone at home by myself these days for four days. I'll be fine. And he'll be fine. <laughs> I'll be Trust fine now. Me. Trust me.
1: Did you, did you, let me ask, let me just pick up that a little bit.
0: When you were growing
1: up, did you find it hard to make friends? I didn't.
0: Mm. I Making friends was never an issue for me. I think it's because number one, I'm I talk a lot. Mm. that helps and um, I'm very similar now than I was when I was younger just always kind of chatty talking talking to people and um, and I like weird people does that make sense mm. like the people that are feeling kind of displaced the feeling the people that I never got along with kids I thought were like the popular ones right the ones that were kind of weird that people were like oh, I, don't, I don't know about that on guy. the fringe a little bit on the fringe a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. that's who I related mm. more to why do, you, why do you think that is? Why do you think that was? I feel like there's a little more genuinity in people that are maybe themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you're more yourself, society is kind of like, oh, this guy's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just you as an individual. Mm-hmm. I always shied away and stayed away from the people that I felt like were in groupthink. Mm-hmm. Almost sheepy. Did you have a best friend growing up? I feel like I had multiple. I've moved around so much when uh. I was young and i think that's why i make a lot of friends i have a hard time attaching to people long term mm-hmm. because i moved around so much growing up uh, you know so th-
1: there's a, the whole slew of ladies in their past like, <laughs> he was in, he was here that one time and that matt kim he was so good in the shack but now he's gone he left
0: me i just think like, about me forever <laughs> <laughs> that Matt kit was so good in the shack. <laughs> well, why does my ex-girlfriend sound like grandma's to you? <laughs> I
1: don't even know why I brought that off. I just felt like that. You know, I'll be honest with you. If I, you would have really pulled on this string, for some reason in the back of my psyche when you were talking, I was thinking about the 1990 movie, Kids. You ever watched that? Uh-huh. Do you remember Do you remember Casper? Remember Casper? And what's, that, what's the other main character? Joey or whatever his name is. And they were talking about, oh, this is so wrong. They were talking about taking the virginity of that one girl. And they were talking about how she's going to remember him forever. <laughs> you know, something like this. And so I don't know why that was there for you guys. in uh, That reference to that movie, Kids, don't watch that. It's an absolutely degenerate uh, movie back in the 90s.
0: Like, a couple of my favorite movies growing up were Fight Club. Uh, it's about, like, these outcasts coming yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked um, Good Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. Another one about an outcast that's just too smart and just mm. talks. Um, so I've always, re- I always related more the people that society would call outcasts. And it's not that I felt like an outcast. It's just I felt more community with those people. You spent a lot of time in the church,
1: as you said, with your parents. So I can ask a question there, which is truncated into two particular segments, which is did you spend a lot of time with the Korean community or did you also spend time with other minorities and other 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 communities and other cultures as well?
0: I grew up in a town in New Jersey where 80 80- Percent of the businesses in that town are owned by Koreans. Mm-hmm. So my whole world was Korean. I grew up in this little pocket where literally everyone I saw was Korean <laughs> all the time. And actually, when I was in elementary school and middle school, I had one black kid in my school oh. and I've never seen an Indian kid in my life. Oh, really? At the yeah. time? Yeah. You never saw an Indian person? Simpsons was my closest... That <laughs> <It> was Abu. <laughs> yeah. That was the closest like of me knowing anything about anything Indian. Wow. In high school, my parents moved to Ohio and there I got like the full America experience. So I didn't get the full America experience until I was 14 years old. Which is actually kind of the right timing for someone of
1: that age to be just mature enough to see the full a fuller breadth of, of humanity.
0: I mean, for me, it was a culture shock. Yeah. Because I grew up in this little ethnic pocket of America where my whole world was Korean American or Korean, a lot of, you know, first generation Korean. Mm. And all of a sudden, I feel like I got dropped in this school, the type of school that you see in the movies. Uh. There's the jocks. There's like the nerds. It's like Saved by the Bell. Yeah. I moved into that. I was like, what the hell? I thought this was in TV only. Oh. I thought the movies only. I didn't think this was real because this was not my reality. So for
1: you joining this this melting pot, Saved by the Bell esque type of environment from New
0: Jersey to Ohio, where did you fit in? It took me a long time to figure out how to fit in. Mm. I feel like I got along with people on the surface, and I have a few friends that I'm still friends with to this day. But even them, they were like, even like I had a couple of friends that lived in the same neighborhood with me, a couple of white guys uh, that. You know, I'm still friends with that I check in with from time to time. Steve, Chad, if you guys are listening. Awesome. Hope you guys are doing well. And they, too, were, like, kind of outcast. Uh. So, like, you know, they're normal, like, white guys living in suburbia. But they were, like, always a little bit odd. Mm. One one of them thought he was black. And he did the whole, like, I'm black, white kid thing. Oh, so he he was the guy listening to
1: Tupac and listening to Snoop Dogg. Okay,
0: correct. Um, and then the other one, like, just moved into town, and he just couldn't figure out how to fit in with, like, the normal, like, in crowd. And those guys ended up being, like, my good friends. So I've always kind of related to those people. I don't know. It's just... I don't know why. Well, it, well, regardless, I'm just trying to
1: help the audience paint a picture of Matt Kim's context. Mm. So you had lived in Jersey, you lived in Ohio, you went from a, a deeply you know Korean community to more of a melting pot, saved by the bell environment. Then you went off to university, which is even more melting pot-ish. So it sounds like you had a relatively broad experience growing up from different cultures and different perspectives. You were on the fringe, you weren't you weren't in the in crowd. I wasn't in the in crowd either. Um, and so it sounds like you, if I can summarize it all up in one sentence, it would sound like, seems like you had a pretty well adjusted
0: childhood. Is that fair? Yes. I feel like I've had the opportunity to experience life from various perspectives. I think maybe that's why I think the way I think, because I've seen it from different angles. Um, and I've lived it from different angles. I know your parents listen to this
1: podcast. Mm. Would they, would, Hi, Mom. would, 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 would your, <laughs> Hey mama. Uh, would your mom be saddened to hear that you the, the way that you're communicating that they might not have been ridiculously engaged when you were younger would you think that would sadden
0: your mom to hear that i think they understand you know uh, i think we've had these conversations before when you get older when you're younger you you're angry at your parents mm. you maybe want to rebel as you get a little bit older and they get a little bit older you start understanding their point of view um, you start having those conversations that you may not have had when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, 17, 16, 15 years old. Uh, so I think we've had a little bit of these conversations now, and I understand their perspective. I'm not mad at them. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, well, as
1: you get older, you, obviously your perspective broadens, and you clearly are more able to understand the compromises your parents made, mm. in most cases, for you. Now, when you were younger, you wouldn't take this as something they did for you because you're just, you know, you're angry, you're angry at your parents. But as you grow up, you you have a, a fresher perspective of it. So, and here's the question. Have you ever sat down with your parents and actually like leaned into them about it? Be like, why didn't, asking them really terse questions like, why weren't you there? Or why were you not as engaged? Or remember that one time you're supposed to be at the baseball game and you never, should. like, have you ever pinned your parents to the wall for
0: something like that? I'm curious. I've tried. And I feel like the more I leaned into it, and then, there was one time I was like, I, I remember this story. When I was really young, I forget how old I was, maybe five, six, seven years old. And we were on a plane. And remember the planes used to have those magazines with things you can buy? Yeah, the Sky,
1: the Sky, Sky, Sky Mag. Sky Mag, whatever yeah, it was.
0: Sky Mag. And in that Sky Mag was this toy that I really wanted. <laughs> and I really wanted to buy it. And my memory was that I wanted to buy it and I asked my mom. She said she would buy for me and she never did. And I was angry about that for years because I'm like, she promised me and she didn't. <laughs> I brought this up to my mom one day. And she was like, Hey, you're too young. You don't remember. You cried that entire plane ride. You were being so annoying. You were crying, being a brat about it, and you wouldn't shut up. So I told you I would buy for you just to make you stop. And I'm like, damn it, that's not what I remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? That, and, and mama, he's carried that trauma for two
0: decades. But <laughs> what you remember of your childhood, mm. maybe not necessarily what happened, mm. right? Because we all have like selective memories and we block out, naturally just block out certain things. But then <laughs> once you start hearing the different size and you get the bigger picture, you're like, damn, I was a brat. <laughs> that's on me actually but, I have, but now I have to know Matt what what was it it wasn't it wasn't the, the Lord of the Rings thing that was
1: always in that thing <laughs> I,
0: I don't remember what it was oh, now oh, I remember I, I feel like if I sat down and like thought about it for like hours then I would do it I don't know if it's any of these toys <laughs> the Sky
1: Mall. that's right Sky Mall. yeah Sky he, Mall always had like the Lord of the Rings shit in there and
0: yeah I don't remember what it was it was some sort of game I don't remember what it okay. was okay but yeah so Mama Matt forgives you for 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 that uh that 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 episode (laughs) so now i'm like oh my parents weren't there but maybe they were and i don't remember it. Mm. you know it's weird how memory works yeah but i think that's what leans into why it's important to not have one memory with your kid but a whole it's history that they remember because they remember small moments but they also remember a pattern and I think that's kind of where I want to get into today. Yeah,
1: let, We're going to get into it. One final question here to kind of set the preamble. It's a long okay. preamble, but I think it's valuable because I like hearing this stuff too. If, you're, if your parents were sitting down today in, in this podcast room and we were to ask them to grade themselves mm. on how they raised you, what do you think they'd say? Out of, let's say out of uh, uh, one to 10.
0: I think my parents now, being results-oriented people, <laughs> Right? It yeah. just depends on how you perceive life. <laughs> right, right, right. They are right. results oriented people. Mm. And right now, everyone, everything seems good. We have this podcast, which they're big fans of. Uh, my father loves that we're very conservative in our values, mm. and he thinks that's amazing. So I think they'd be very proud, mm. right, of how it went. Maybe there are things in life they would have changed, but, you know, like me, we don't believe in regret. Mm. It is what it is. And if anything, those struggles and those memories that I have, made me stronger and a part of who I am today. Fair enough. I think, again, if we're talking about results, we did pretty good. I think they'd be very happy. Okay, so maybe like a...
1: Last time I asked you to do a rating on 10, you did like a 6.2.
0: Maybe an 8.3. (laughs) An
1: 8.3. Not bad, mama. Not bad, dad. (laughs) 8.3 is better than average. So I know you wanted to talk about four different categories or four different topics. So let's break them down.
0: Let's break down the topics. First, the topic I want to get into is for new parents. Mm. Parents that may be um, together but want to figure out what the right thing to do is moving forward as they start. Mm. We have many friends that are about to have their first child. Maybe a little word advice on our perspective mm. on how to start. Secondly, I want to talk about uh, women, single moms. If you are a single mom, whatever, for whatever reason it may be, you have to go on this journey alone. I think those women need more male advice than others because they're lacking the big male role model that their kid is going to have in their lives. A third would be a single dad. I think, and we can argue this, what's more difficult, single mom or single dad? It's probably a conversation on its own. Yeah, for sure. I We can get sticky there. And the fourth would be, parents of a is this the right word broken family is I that can, is that uh, n- is that no longer allowed because that's what they used to call it i don't know if that's correct vernacular i think anymore. To, i think it it's t- got such a negative charge it, to it. does
1: i yeah. think I, you know i have it's interesting you say that matt because i actually haven't heard that terminology used in a long time mm. and i think it's because the, is it the, phased out well i think the overall market sentiment has changed i think I think back in the '90s, for us to say it's broken family, it's just like, well, we understand they, get, they got divorced or someone died and they're single parents. Like that's what broken family mean, meant back back when we were in the you know '80s and '90s. That meant that there was that there's a single dad or single mom or something like this. I think today, because of the sensitivity of the overall culture, I think if you were to say broken family, that would probably trigger a lot of people. But I understand what you mean when you say broken families. Co-parenting. That would be the more PC. Is that the ver- more PC? Is that the yeah. correct vernacular these uh, uh, yeah. days? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Co-parenting, I think. Yeah, yeah, co-parenting.
0: So those are the four main categories I want to talk on. Okay? So I'll give you a quick scenario, and then maybe I'll get your first gut reaction. Sure. On. I have a friend who is has a little bit of money. Has a little bit of money and is okay in life. They're going to have their first child. They want to do it the right way, but because they have a little bit of money, they're like, well, we could hire nannies, we could hire help, we could use daycare because why not? It's not overly expensive. If you have no money, daycare, daycare and um, nannies are expensive. If you have money, daycares and nannies aren't a huge cost. It's so weird how that works. And in most cases, if I can interject, in most cases, you find
1: that if the if the husband's working and the wife is working and you have daycare, in most cases that Wife works literally just to pay for daycare, correct? which zero sums out. Mm. And so my argument, if I were to jump into it earlier, we can not talk about it in depth right now, but my argument on that is why are you slaving woman, wife, for a job in which all your money is going to someone else raising your kid? You might as well just raise your kid on your own. So I will just leave that out right there. But in most cases, that's what the economics end up looking like. Correct. You
0: know? A nanny um, costs approximately these days 20 to $25 an hour. If you're not making over $25 an hour, you're a net loss. Yep. Might as well do it yourself. So that's kind of the first scenario I wanna to touch on, right? If you're a new parent, what is a word of advice on how to start down this path, doing it what we call the hard way, but the right way? What would be your initial gut reaction advice to them?
1: Well, I, my immediate gut reaction is I would have to go to the Romans and the Greeks who both said in, in the past that if you give me the boy for seven years, I'll show you the man. Mm. And what they essentially meant by that is that, and they're not wrong from psychological studies, and behavioral studies and early childhood education, and early childhood cognitive learning theory, which, by the way, I have a master's in, so I spent a lot of time learning about that stuff show the first seven years of a child child's life is 100% absolutely that time in which they are mimicking they are modeling they are watching they are observing they are amalgamating they are bringing information in and they are becoming or substantiating and in many cases solidifying the character and personality that they're going to have as an adult and so so much of the early childhood time, in my opinion, Matt, needs to be absolutely spent with the two parents, if you can, if you can have it that way, right? And and the reason is that presence of time, and that presence with that child in the first seven years is going to cr- create the trajectory for the rest of their lives. There are three ways. And I've stated this in the past, so you're, you're extra- pulling this, this stuff out of me. I haven't talked about this in a long time. But I've been asked a similar question around this before when it comes to raising kids, and I always tell the individual there are three ways to raise a kid. The first way to raise a kid is do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. Well, I know that fails because they end up seeing what you do and they end up mimicking what you do. So it doesn't matter what you say. The second way of raising your kids is do as I say, not as I do in private. Well, that doesn't work because they end up finding out what you do in private and they realize that you do smoke outside uh, the house at the wrong times. You come in smelling that. They see that you're drinking, you know. They see these behaviors. They're smarter than you think. Oh, they're observant. So they're, they're little sponges. So do as I say, right? not as I do, or do as I say, not as I do in public, or the third and the better option is do as I say because that is how I live, and that's how I model my life. And so I've always, in my, my parenting, tried to live by that third model, which is I'm telling you, son, I'm telling you, daughter, this is the way to live, and it's not just hyperbole. It's not just because I'm being directive. I'm telling you this is the way to live, and you shall see that in my modeling as a parent things like honesty integrity oh I could tell you a story right now where there's an opportunity for for me to long story short I'm at the track every weekend as you well know Uh, we were at a race just last weekend in which my son was running p1 at the front and there was another kid that was running behind him and he was fighting my son it's a 13 lap race he was fighting my son in lap two, three, four, five, six, seven. Now, if you're a smart and mature driver, you don't fight people in the early laps because you're wasting tires, you're wasting energy, and it's you're jostling for position, allowing everyone else to catch up. So it's not good. A mature driver would stay in the train, stay in the pocket, conserve tires, conserve energy, gas, all that stuff, so you can create a gap, and you can fight in the final couple laps. They came off. My son came in P1. The other kid was P3, and I... Went to him because I'm just like being a help because we run at the national level where there's a lot more maturity. This was a club race, so there's a little bit less mature kids there. And I went up to him and I said, hey, you know, he's 10 years old, 11 years old. And I just told him, I said, hey, there's no need to fight in the race. In the beginning laps, let's stay mature. Let's sit in the pocket. Let's sit in the cut. Let's just conserve tires. And I just told him what is the mature racing model that he should have uh, even though it was a club race. His dad came up to me afterwards and my son's standing there. And you could tell when he was walking over, he was ready to engage in a negative in, in, you know, negative negatively. And he said to me, he said, Don't ever talk to my kid. And I was, you know, I'm standing there with sunglasses on, working on the cart, and I'm just like, wait, wait, What? What? He's like, I don't give advices to your kid. You're not gonna give advices to my kid. Uh he had an accent, he was uh, Hispanic. And, you know, you'd never talk to my kid. And I had an opportunity at that moment, Matt, to fold. I had that opportunity to, to, to take, take my, my small Asian penis and roll it up, roll it up and say, yes, Amasa, I'm so sorry. Or I could assert myself in front of my son and model an engagement that is respectful, assertive, but at the same time not being put down by, by some other guy who thinks he's got ego. And in that moment with my son right there and the cart right here, I'm working on this cart and he's coming and he's, he's addressing me. I chose the right approach, which is to be assertive, and say, you know, engage him. And I won't tell you, you know, I'm drag the story on, but I had a conversation with him. I said, you know, why, why can't I? Why is it not right for me to, to, to engage other drivers and talk about this stuff? And at the end of the day, we ended up having probably a two and a half, three minute conversation and he calmed down. I could have chosen the other route to say, oh, oh so, 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 so sorry, so sorry, I'm, I you know, won't do it again. And that model would resonate in my son for eternity. He'd say, oh, this guy confronts my dad, my dad ends up becoming a pussy, like, no, no dice there. Now, I didn't create a, I didn't have enough time to make a mental decision whether I was going to go pansy or whether I was going to go, you know, military. But I think my character shown through there in that moment where you don't have time to think and you act in the right model. And so I have so many – I could tell you experiences like that for days, Matt, where I feel like I have successfully modeled. And there's no instruction to my son there. There's no, hey, son, do you see what I just did, how I asserted myself, and I wasn't going to be put down by this guy who was just giving me bullshit. There's no instruction. It was just he got to see his dad assert himself communicate effectively bring the emotionality down and then at the end of the conversation we're like we're good we're good peace like all good man all good and so that's a long-winded way of saying you asked me the question a long-winded way of saying your children are watching and i think at the end of the day the more presence time engagement and conversation that you can engage with your children in the first 7 years of life by the parents not by a not by a babysitter not by anything, not by anyone else. I think that is the best recipe for success.
0: Because a lot of people will say, well, it's it's tiring. And My daughter is 11 months old. It is tiring. It's a lot. Going no, no doubt. And if you want to be an active parent, it requires sacrifice mm. because it is not easy. No, None of these solutions we have today are the easy solution. No, none. The easy solution is give them a phone and just let the phone raise them. That's the easy way out. And I think 90 percent of most uh, a lot of people do it. Parents do that. Dan. In our world of new parents most go that route. And I get it. It's the go easy to way any
1: way. restaurant where you have to sit down, and you'll see all the kids are being raised by the mobile devices.
0: To do it yourself is the road less traveled. It is the outlier approach, and for what we believe is the only approach to success. I agree. Well, but also
1: understand context for those out there who might say, "Well, wait, 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 Matt, wait, 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 Peter, you guys didn't have a choice because hmm. you guys didn't have mobile phones, you guys didn't have internets, you didn't have, you know, computers when you were raised. You're not wrong. Our parents had to engage with us because we they couldn't throw us an Atari or throw us a Sega Genesis or throw us a Nintendo or throw us a mobile device to just get a, get them out of their hair." what they did is either they engaged appropriately and just enough lightly. And then secondarily, the best thing for them to do was just like go fucking outside and play. Right. Mm -hmm. Didn't you play outside a lot? Right.
0: I mean, I would say if you're a new parent and you're going to be a new parent, the babies are resilient. They're stronger than you think. Don't be so scared of the outside world and let them be exposed to multiple environments, multiple situations Get him out of the house.
1: Small, somewhat tangential question. Since you said kids are resilient, and the first thing that came up in my mind is like kids are like Gumby because hmm. you know you can drop them. Have hmm. you dropped your kid yet? Of course. Oh, <laughs> okay, good. I'm just glad we got that out. I dropped my kid, both of my kids, so hard a couple of
0: times. The first, the first, <laughs> when she was first starting to move around and crawl. And I was watching her, and she was on our bed. I'm sure Tay was just like, what? And I was standing there, and I just see her in slow motion come falling off the side of the bed and goes, and hits her head on the ground. Oof. And I, and the whole house shakes because she hits it hard. Ugh. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm my a, wife is going to kill me. I'm a dead man. Uh... I'm a dead man. She comes running upstairs. What happened? And I'm like, oh, of course, she fell. And she wasn't mad. I was like, what a second. <laughs> Why isn't she mad? And I was like, oh, because <laughs> she already did it too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Tay, you, you done dropped that kid on her, on her <laughs> head too. She already did
0: it too. Oh, bro. You know? But my, my kid has been to the emergency room twice. For so? Yeah, already? Twice, oh, twice, oh, shit, bro. Twice. <laughs> wow. um, she's had COVID. She was fine in three days. She's been sick. She's had the cold. All of it. And I'm so grateful for every single time that happened because she is stronger, she recovers quicker, her immune system is stronger, she does not fear people, Mm -hmm. because we started taking her out immediately. She is 11 months old, and she's walking, she's running, she doesn't shy away from situations, she learns to problem solve. And I truly believe it's because we put so much exposure to different things at her, and not more than we think we can handle. But if there's a line, we are not scared to toe that line. Yeah. So this first category of question is for
1: parents who are about to have kids. Correct. I think there's a lot of infrastructure and parents don't use this word, but I think there's a lot of infrastructural preparation that new parents will want and desire to do Mm. easy examples of infrastructural pre pre planning would be, here's the baby room. We're going to paint the baby room color. We're going to make sure there's the crib. We're going to make sure there's the toys and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, if you were to create a list, kind of off the cuff, for new new parents that are, are parents that are couples that are about to become parents and about to have kids, how much infrastructural runway do you actually need to create in preparation <laughs> for this child? Or is most of that just bullshit?
0: So, number one, if you're a new parent, a new mom, all moms do it—they go deep into Google. Oh, of course, and they read all the list. Exactly. ten thin things you need for this. Top 10 things you should be scared of. Top 10 things you should do to avoid infant death syndrome for your kid, which is something we can get into, but bullshit. All these things of people giving you advice, and more importantly, fear porn. Mm. Baby content is 99% fear porn. I'm glad you said it that way. I agree. It's all there to scare you and then say, oh, by the way, if you buy this, here's the solution. Here's the solution. Buy this, buy this, buy this. You don't need any of it he's not wrong all of it and after you have your first kid you realize i didn't need 90 percent of the shit i bought you mean the fifteen thousand dollars
1: of infrastructure shit that you bought for your kid don't you didn't need and actually they end up playing spending more time with that plastic spoon than the 14 you know 15 dollar thing that you bought them.
0: (laughs) my wife bought everything Uh, i i've seen it (laughs) we have a bassinet that rocks itself you don't need it fucking rock your own kid we have a little chair that rocks itself. You don't need it. Rock your own kid. All these things in life that the internet will tell you you need. And my wife's like, "Really? It's our first kid, and she's so important to us. And you don't want to spend the extra couple hundred dollars to buy this for them when it's gonna make their life better." And how do you argue that? I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm fine." And and frankly, it's not the
1: right time to act, to retort with, "How do you know it's gonna make their life better?"
0: Yeah, there's <laughs> no way to win that argument. It's an emotional argument, and. Baby stuff is just inexpensive enough where it incentivizes you to just buy. It. You're not wrong. It's, it's right right at priced price point. so well. Oh, yeah. Just twenty dollars here. Just ninety eight dollars here. You know, and you end up with a whole house of stuff, and all your kid wants to play with is a cardboard box. Bro, say less. Absolutely. All they want to do is walk <laughs> around with their spoon. Yeah. <laughs> with no shirt on, just a diaper. Right. right? My the favorite toy my daughter has is a Ziploc bag with like a um, Advil thing in it that shakes and makes noises. She has unlimited toys. She runs around the house like this. That's what she does. You don't need any of that. Mm. It's all fear porn. Mm. Nothing will substitute you spending your time with your kid and going through various situations. For example, we have this little toy thing that looks like a house and there's a door. And she will sit on the other side of the door and I'll sit on one side of the door. And she started pushing the door because she knows this door swings both ways. Mm-hmm. Push the door because she wants to get into her house thing. And I'll be on the side and I'll close it shut. She pushes it, I close it shut. I push it, close it shut. Eventually, she's like, huh, if I pull this door. Oh, problem solving, baby. Problem solving. And then she comes in. These moments, I think, are invaluable and more valuable than trying to get him a toy that says to teach him to learn. Exactly. All that's just bullshit. So that's my advice is that you gotta do it the hard way. Spend the time. Nothing substitutes time spent. Hours logged. Mm. Right? Anything in life, if you want to do it well, you have to put in the hours. So here's the question then. What has transpired and what has
1: happened in the kind of the the, the culture of today in raising kids that we have moved from less time spent I think there was a survey that I, I read not too long ago that said that the average parent only spends like 20 30 minutes with their kids a day which is something crazy that's just absolutely nut, nutty because when I add up the time that I spend with my like I'm always at r- racing with my boy talking doing stuff every day my my daughter's in archery right just re- deeply engaged with my kids activities etc etc I find I just when I saw that and read that statistic I was just like my mind was blown, Matt. I couldn't mm. conceive of how that's even possible. Like, I almost passively spend at least twenty minutes, thirty minutes, just sitting next to them while they're reading a book and I'm on my mobile phone or doing work or something like that. And so I find that to be an egregious change to what uh, how we, uh, we were raised with deeper uh, community roots, deeper neighborhood roots, uh, these types of things. So what has what has happened? Is it, is it all? Due to the outsourcing to mobile devices and mobile phones, is that, is that what's changed?
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that we have all this technology in our lives to make our lives more convenient, to give us more time back. Instead of spending time looking up um, information in encyclopedias and books, now you can just Google it. right? Instead of spending so many hours like doing dishes, you have a dishwasher, you have a Roomba that does your dusting. There are so many things in life that are created to make your life more convenient and give you more time. So as a parent, you now have more time than you ever had in your life. Not wrong. In the history of the world, you have more time now than you ever had before. Oh, for sure. There's so many conveniences out there that help you gain time. It's almost like an overabundance of time that we have. And with that extra time, it's too much that I'm going to have more technology raise my kids because I need even more time. Mm. How do you live in a life where you have so much time but yet your time is so limited that you can't even spend the time with your kids. It doesn't make sense to me. So what I would extract immediately
1: from that would be the question of to be a a successful, highly engaged, and present parent in today's world requires a discipline of scheduling, Mm. a discipline of time management that, frankly, has somewhat dissipated, In this Gen Z, Gen X, uh, these next generations coming
0: up. Would that be a fair statement? Get off the Netflix. Get off of too much YouTube. Mm. Get off the video games. You don't need to watch four basketball games in one night. You don't need to drink a 12 pack every night. Yeah. It's
1: almost like a category error. And what I mean by category error is we have this technology category that makes our lives significantly easier, more automated and just just more convenient and we've applied this category to child rearing Mm. that's a categorical error child rearing cannot be outsourced to technology is essentially what we're kind of modeling here is that at the end of the day child is flesh and blood it requires flesh and blood And so we've 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 created this category of convenience that we've morphed over to child rearing, and I think that's a categorical error. I think we we cannot use technology as a primary means for raising children in today's world. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I mean, we started with I love the word when you say modeling, right? Mm. You're modeling behavior and modeling being a model for who you want your kids to become. If and, yeah, I don't I, I want to just want to interject. I'll, I just have to say this. Some of the
1: most profound moments of good feeling, Matt, and of pride of myself have been when my son has communicated to me after a moment, and most of our amazing moments in life are at the track where we get to see everything. We get to I mean, it's a bunch of fucking rowdy-ass, dirty-ass dudes, right, running around, so we get to see the entire spectrum of humanity at the track. Some of my most profound moments and the moments that I, that, that mean the most to me, Matt, are in those moments driving back from Orlando, or Miami, or North Carolina, wherever we are at from the track, and in that car ride, my son will bring up, hey, you know, a situation or an event that happened in which he's communicating the best way he can as a 10-year-old that he was happy or encouraged, or he would never use this word inspired, but inspired by the way that I engaged in a terse Mm. or aggressive situation, Mm. and, it is impossible at those moments, Matt, in the car ride home, to look to him and communicate how appreciative I am that he is situationally aware of what happened and is able to translate it and communicate hit it back to me. Like when he says those things, it's like, "Fuck, bro, I." I didn't fail today. It worked. It worked, yeah. right? I I, I I got a little sweaty when I was engaging with that guy. I maybe stuttered because I was, I don't stutter often. I maybe stuttered a little bit because I was caught off guard, but I collected myself. I engaged him as a man to a man, and my son got to see that modeling effectively. Mm. And uh, those are the moments that I cherish the most. So back to your modeling statement. Yes.
0: If you are, you want to model behavior for your children. If your world and if what's important to you is I'm going to go home from work, I want to have a bunch of drinks, I'm going to watch a bunch of sports, I'm going to play a bunch of games, I'm going to watch a bunch of Netflix, and then you're like, I don't understand why all my kid wants to do is play video games and watch sports and play with his phone. It's like, huh. Maybe the model, the only model that he sees is what's in front of him. It's not their fault. My kid, all they want to do is be on the phone. Are you on your phone all that? exactly what is important to you if you went home every day and all you did was read books your kid would be like I love books mm. yeah that's my kids mm-hmm. <laughs> they will mimic you the kids are sponges therefore whatever you want them to be even if it's inconvenient for you gotta make sacrifices yes I want to watch Monday Night Football and I want to watch Thursday Night Football and I want to watch five games on Sunday hmm Maybe just watch two. Mm. You didn't miss anything. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world. Not at all. Small sacrifice you can make. You know?
1: I I really, I, I could wax poetic on this idea ad infinitum, Matt. But this modeling idea is, and you brought up a great example there. Like the kids are, we live in a world where, The school systems are trying to interject, especially the public school systems, Mm. are trying to interject their authority more into the the family life. And we've even seen things on mainstream media where schools are literally saying the kids are ours, Mm. like this type of vernacular, this type of rhetoric, which is scary. It's like, hey, wait, 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 that sounds very Marxist. It sounds very socialist that the kids are, you know, the nations. Kids aren't the nations. They're my kids. They Mm. came out of my wife, right, my seed. Okay, they're nobody else's. They're mine. Right. As you like to say, I'm the only person that can propagandize them, right? Yep. This modeling idea. So, we're talking, the category we're talking about in context is couples who are about to have kids. So, could it be said, Matt, if we extrapolate from that, that if you're a couple who's about to have your first kid, is now the time to start changing your behavior patterns so you can better prepare for engagement with that child?
0: Is that what you're saying? Yes. Ooh. Get ready for. For the change anytime going cold turkey in any change in your life is difficult no doubt some of it is just mental preparation sometimes you do it because you're forced to do it but to make pattern changes now will be just beneficial for you and the first few months of having a child it's rocky it's a lot of lost sleep a lot of long nights a lot of stress and if you're a man. Your wife will have the emotional up and downs from giving child. Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with all of that at one time. It's not easy. And
1: from a physiological standpoint, studies have shown that your testosterone levels during the first, first months of that child being born drop mm. precipitously. And some would assert that the reason is because, is number one, you can't be having the, the hanky-panky time with a, a brand new baby in the house, with your wife who's just getting healed up from that entire experience.
0: Although I do have friends that are 10 months apart
1: from the siblings. Yeah, that, <laughs> me. yeah that, that's me. Uh, so we try to jump right back in as soon as possible. Uh, but the, the point is, is that like as a guy, you're gonna have to be even more flexible and yes. open to the variableness and the variables of your wife, your partner, and uh, you know the woman who's, who's
0: helping raise that child. It's gonna be an up and down. Might as well start prepping now, making the necessary small changes you need. Um, and I think most importantly, read to your children.
1: So let me, let me interject a question to the to to the couple out there that are about to have their first kid. The the guy might look at you and say, "Matt, fuck off." Mm. I like watching, you know, Monday night football and Sunday night football mm. and pregame on Saturday. And I, I like to go golfing with my my dudes on Saturday, all day Saturday, Sunday and Monday nights are all about football. You know, and then I got these things that I do on Thursday nights like you're telling me, Matt, I got to start pulling back on those. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It, it,
0: yes. What else? It's very simple. Well, you well, do well, OK,
1: it. let me let me let me let me play the devil's advocate. W- why, Matt? Why, why, do, why do I have to change my my, my my eight hours on Saturday golf game and all-day Sunday football you know, you know, menagerie with all of my homies? Um, why, why can't I just stop that when, when the kid comes? Why, why do I have to start doing this stuff now? Why do I have to prepare this stuff now?
0: Habits are very hard to fix. Mm. Habits are very hard to change. Mm. They're almost ingrained in you. To get off of certain things that you enjoy to do, it's extremely difficult.
1: So what you're saying, Matt, is I have to prioritize this new human being over my own wants and desires.
0: <laughs> if, and I'm sure if you ever talk to any parent that is five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, four years deep, they'll all say, everyone says, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. Every single one of them. I've never met a parent, even the parents who spend unlimited time with their kids. No parent ever says, I wish I would have spent less time. On the opposite side of that, I've also never heard a man or woman say, I wish I spent more time at work. Correct. (laughs) Exactly. You can never get that time back. And as you get older, as you get further along in your journey, you'll understand. And it's one of those things where it's like parents tell you when you're young, You'll understand when you're older. It's true. You -hmm. will understand when you're older. But if you are a little bit older, you're a grown adult, and you can have a little bit of perspective, take the advice of people that have been there before. Give up, give that shit up. You don't need all of it. I'm not saying cut all of it out. You don't need all of it. Because one day you're going to be like, damn, my kid just wants to play with the phone and doesn't want to hang out with me. It's no shit. It's your fucking fault.
1: Uh, 100%. And it's tough. Because some,
0: some guys, maybe that's not what they wanted. Mm. And we'll get into that later. But you know, no parent goes, I hope my kid ends up being a pussy. We've said that many times. <laughs> No parent thinks that. Actually, yeah, you're right. I actually tweeted um, probably,
1: I think, a two weeks ago um, a an inconvenient truth. Mm. And the inconvenient truth essentially stated, the only man in your life who will ever be truly happy for you is your father when you are better than him. Mm. Think about that, right? When you're better than your father, the only person in the world that cares about that is your father. Because they no father wants their son or their daughter to be less than them. When my son, my, let's just focus on my son. When my son becomes a better man than me, it'll be a great day. It'll be a great day because he, because because I have done a good work. I have run the race. I have helped get him out into the world. And if he somehow, someway becomes a far greater human being, far better man, husband, you know, father than I am, then I'm all for that. Hmm. I'm all for that. That means that my family tree is... Moving up in life instead of down because there's 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 one or one of the ways to go either up or down. So I it, and it's hard it's hard what you're asking for because a lot of this stuff is experiential for men. Let me let me create a scenario because I've struggled with this and and I don't mind giving my opinion after you I, you, I get your reaction. What do you say or what let's let, let's say what do you think? What do you think about couples who have their kid? Let's say their kid is eight months old. And there, the kid is finally at eight months old at a point where they can go back to the club and the bar together. Mm. What would you say to that couple?
0: You got to give it up. You got to give it up. It's tough. I know. You, Especially if you're a young couple and you're like, okay, the kid's old enough now. And grandma can watch the kid tonight. So let's go to the club. Let's go have some fun. It sounds amazing. I'm telling you. Years later, you're like, damn it. I don't think any parent, every parent wants the best for their kids. I think that's no matter what, at least in their hearts, every parent naturally wants the best for their children. Not every parent wants to do what's difficult and make the sacrifices required for what's best for their children. I think those are two complete things. Wanting, everyone wants it. Everyone wants better for their children. Do you want to make the sacrifice? Do you want to do the hard work? Do you want to give up the club? Mm. My wife and I used to fly, fight a lot. When we both used to drink, we used to fight all the time. We stopped fighting when we stopped drinking because our biggest arguments and the moments where we say the things that we, that we didn't mean, but we can't take those back, Yeah. those moments were always when we were both just wasted. Once we cut that out, once we cut out that part of our lives, now we communicate, now we talk.
1: Uh, I appreciate that honesty, man. That's that's really powerful.
0: So in a young family with so much change, so much going on, introducing nightlife, I don't think it's the best for me. I would completely
1: agree with you. I mean, I, I I've actually got into not arguments with my wife, but heated conversations with my wife, in which we're both in agreement, by the way. Uh because I know two couples right now who would be absolutely offended with what you just mm. said, and they they would be absolutely offended with my position and my wife's position because we think they're crazy. Mm. Your kid is eight months old, mm. and y'all are outsourcing four hours from you know eight o'clock to two in the you know two in the morning so that y'all can go back to the club in downtown Atlanta while your kid's sleeping and being taken care of by some caretaker or babysitter. I'm like, for me, that's insanity. It's insanity. Like, Is it really worth the, let's say 75 bucks to pay for that babysitter, plus the 200 bucks you're spending on drinks, Plus the fact that you're getting home at two o'clock in the morning and you're tired of shit. So the next day, you're not even gonna be an engaged and an mm-hmm. available parent for that eight, eight month old. Like, I just think it's absolute insanity. And frankly, I've used these words before to my wife. I think they're absolutely selfish. Mm. It's absolutely selfish. At a point of your kid, I got we had two couples that I know. That's like eight, eight months old, and the other one's like one and a half years old. I just when when I hear that they're going out to the club, I'm like, who are you? Mm. You're 38, 39 years old. Right. You don't need to be going to no club like you don't need it. What's the value there? I don't know. I, I don't know. I just I get hot and heavy about that because like these kids at these young, these young ages are so impressionable. They need that time. They need that engagement. And if you're coming in with your with your wife at 2 a.m., the entire next morning, entire next afternoon is going to be sh- sunk. You're not going to want to engage your kid. I think you're doing a huge disservice. No, so you're going to be
0: hungover and you're going to be like, oh, okay, I'm just a little bit tired today. Here's the mobile device. Here's the phone. Just watch this. Or, hey, let's just turn on some cartoons. Let them sit there all day. And uh, we need to relax because, you know, one night out becomes a whole weekend. You got it. And it's not worth it for the development of your child. Every hour, every minute counts. Mm -hmm. And if you really cared, and I'm not saying parents that do this don't care, but sometimes it's like, I need to stress relief. Mm. There are better ways to do it. There are better ways to do it. You don't need to go out all night and sacrifice your next day with your kid.
1: So to extrapolate it out to the larger societal implications, the larger societal implications, the question would be, do you think the reason why we have a generation that is clearly apparent on social media and mainstream media today that is absolute a bunch of cucks— a bunch of blue-haired sheepdog, as you like to say, a bunch of non-manly, non-Andrew Tate type of people walking around. Is that a result of or an outcome of poor parenting from the the last generation and raising their kids on these new mobile devices? Is that why we have what we have today?
0: Yes. Mm. We can blame technology all we want. We can blame social media all we want. We can blame the education system all we want. We can blame the government. We can blame... Everything around the environment. Mm. You are in charge of your child's world. Always falls on the parent. Whatever your kid is doing, you should be aware of. You should know of. They should be modeling your behavior. If they have bad behaviors, if your kid is a kid that goes out there and is cursing at everyone, you're probably cursing each other at home. Not wrong. They didn't learn those words on their own. Mm -hmm. They learned them from you. You got it. So I know like on this podcast, we talk a lot about anti-established, anti-government, them men. You can only blame them so much. It's your responsibility. Mm. Absolutely. And so that right there is probably
1: an amazing invitation for what we introduced earlier in Mm. today's episode and podcast is that Matt and I are absolutely interested in creating a behind-the-scenes paywall group for those who are interested in learning more about family, learning about being a good husband, being a good wife, raising kids uh, in today's world, we're looking at do, uh, creating this initiative. And so stay tuned. Check out uh, Freethinkers. Free Freethinkermovement.com. Sign up. Join our Discord. Comment. Smash the like button. We're really interested in helping the next generation of parents, whether you're a uh, nuclear family, two parents, co-parenting, single parent. We want... To help because this is something that's on our hearts and something that we care about
0: correct correct
1: we're going long we went long there are three other categories it looks like we got to probably talk about those next podcasts
0: i think we may have to i think i want to we'll, we'll get to the i think we have to just break out we need to make this into a series oh wow yeah we're way over an hour we need to make this into a series today we talk about new parents I think next time we'll and talk by the about way, single moms That new parent dads.
1: category, I have at least five other permutations that we can extract from that, by e- the way. Exactly. Which I
0: didn't go on, by So I think next one we'll talk about single parents, and then maybe the time after that we'll talk about maybe divorcees slash co-parenting. Yes. Because they are very different.
1: Not wrong. And I have family and friends very close to that are in these situations right now, and so I can't speak it. To it from a personal level, but I can certainly tell you about the outcomes that I am seeing, and I think I am a pretty observant person. So I'm seeing some very in- intriguing, uh good patterns and some anti-patterns of of parenting in today's world. So I'm excited to uh, extrapolate and
0: expound on that with you. Before we close out, um I did put a thing on the on my Instagram saying, "If there are any modern parenting questions." Um, throw them out. We'll try to get to them. Ah, yes, that's right. So why don't we just get to two or three of them? Perfect. And we'll kind of close with that. And we will get to the other characters. I know we said we're going to do it, but I think we're getting long. We'll do it on the next one. Frank says, I am a middle-aged... I'm a white middle-aged man. Should I teach my children about racism or does that perpetuate the situation? That's a good question.
1: That's a great question. Well, first and foremost... Um, does he say how old his kid is? No. Okay. So first and foremost, trust me, you're not going to have to teach your kid about racism. They will learn all about that in public school. In public school, that's all they push. That's all their narrative. And one of the primary uh, narratives that they have in in schools today is oppression, which means everything has to relate back to why someone's being oppressed. Even math is oppressive today. And so, trust me when I say it, your children will learn more about racism and institutional quote-unquote racism and systemic quote-unquote racism uh, than you will ever have to teach them. My short answer is, is that, and I'll just use my own own, uh, parenting as an example, is I have never talked to my kids or communicated to my kids the word racist. Hmm. Never. Hmm. Never. Because... Skin color is not something that I have ever valued. Mm. It's not something that I have ever used as a core determinant for decision making. Now, if I'm made poor decisions and I'm hanging down in the lower east side of Atlanta at 1.30 in the morning, then I've made a poor decision to hang Mm. out with a, let's just say, a community down there, regardless of color, probably bad timing. That's a bad decision on my part. But there's no race, racial considerations in that decision. I just made a bad decision to go down downtown east, you know, east side, and one o'clock in the morning. So there is an increased chances of things, bad things happening. And so, I have always communicated to my kids whenever a skin color has come up, is that it is merely a identifying marker of that individual. Mm. That's it. Who was that? Oh, he was brown skin. Appa. Okay, cool. He's brown skin. Enough said. What happened? Let's talk about that. And so one thing that I have been using with my... And my kids are too young to understand this, but I think it's hilarious. But I always tell them whenever they're talking about, let's just say, a person of color who's done something negative, and it could move into the racial narrative, I always just say, oh, that's just a scholar showing the content of their character. We've talked about that. And they always say, oh, yeah. So whenever they... And I almost think at some level, my son thinks whenever that the word scholar means bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see that scholar beating those people randomly outside? What a scholar, showing their intellectual prowess and in the and the content of their character. And so that's so my advice to them is you don't need to bring it up. If it comes up in conversation, uh, sc- focus on focus on the content of the the situation, the content of their character. You don't need to bring up a race as a definitive marker. Uh, for any core decision-making. I don't think it's something that's that important. I think it's just a narrative that is easy for the mainstream media to create fear and mostly division. What what say, you?
0: I think if you are, it goes back to the idea of modeling. If you engage society, regardless of color, in a respectful and normalized manner and don't treat people differently, your kids will naturally do the same. Yeah. You don't need to tell them to do it. You need to show them it. So I think that's the most important. I don't think you need to say, hey, racism is a problem in the country, because I don't think it is. I think talking about racism is a problem in this country. No doubt. I think the narrative of racism is a problem in this country. As far as living it as a minority, I don't feel like it's a problem. That's my personal life. And if we could just be intellectually honest for a second, we live in the least racist country on the planet. In the world.
1: I mean, you and I have traveled the world.
0: Yeah. And if we're this honest- is the best.
1: If we're honest- We can choose quickly, without hesitation, multiple Asian countries that are far more racist than America.
0: Or European or South American or African.
1: No doubt. It's great here. I think it's a lack of exposure for most people. They haven't traveled past 20 miles beyond their house, and they think that the entire world is racist. You're wrong is the answer.
0: Okay, I got another one. This is a really interesting one. Mel, who is amazing. What... you think is the greatest corruption in a child's life outside of social media? The greatest corruption in In a a child's child's life outside outside of social social media.
1: media. Well, we know that social media is absolutely corrosive, and it's um, especially for young teenage girls and young prepubescent uh, children, whether uh, male or female, uh, as their brains are still uh, developing and still growing. uh, It's the worst thing to be giving a 14-year-old girl a TikTok, uh, and these types of things, it's absolutely toxic for their growth and their mental well-being and health. Um, And so certainly social media is one of the worst things that you could possibly give a young, immature mind who doesn't understand the implications of what they're seeing, the models that they're seeing, and obviously all the degeneracy that is on these social media platforms. But if I were to go to the most egregious thing that I have experienced, not personally, Matt, but uh, peripherally, Uh, from other colleagues and friends of mine, it would be uh, sexual abuse. Hmm. Sexual abuse by a family member, uh, by a loved one, is the worst thing that could ever happen to a child.
0: Ruins them forever.
1: Oh, it perverts their entire mental models of what the world is, what relationships should be, what love should be, and what care should be. And I have a, a friend of mine uh, no details, but a friend of mine who was molested as a child and he is, I love the fact that he's sophisticated and he's able to communicate effectively to me how that fucked him up, uh, when he was molested by his uncle. So like I have enough, ex- I have enough peripheral experience and enough, uh, uh conglomerate experience from networks and, and close family and friends who've been, uh, victims of sexual abuse that, uh, Besides social media, which I think is somewhat sometimes sexual abuse, if you think about what they're, the degeneracy that they're seeing, um, I think there's nothing that comes close to uh, – to, uh, I think there's a Bible verse out there that says something to the effect of, uh, if you hurt children, you should have a millstone, millstone rung around your neck and you should be thrown into the sea. So hmm. uh, do not fuck with our kids.
0: Boundaries. No, what's please- your
1: opinion? You're not just asking me for my advice, my opinion. What's your opinion? What's the most corrosive? What's the most toxic thing beyond social media for a young child?
0: I feel like, I feel like my daughter is just so young that I don't have the context for it yet. I think that's why I'm asking you because I want your opinion as a much more lived father than I.
1: I have a a tween daughter Hmm. and I have a 10 year old son and we're, at the archery range, you know, four or five times a week. At the track, every weekend, almost. And we are we, because of this, we are we have to smash ourselves against other people and lots of different types of people, et cetera. And I love that fact because it gives my kids a broad perspective of humanity and who's who's out there. And going back to my first point, my biggest concern when I'm in these places is my kid's safety when I'm working on a cart or I'm doing something and they're off with their their friends. And, you know, especially at a, a track, a track is huge. Mm. Like he could be 200, 300 meters away from me at some other guy's tent while I'm working over here on the car. Um, and I just pray and hope that he's, he's safe. But we have heard stories uh, of where kids were abused. Uh, and so that is my biggest concern because and that's something my wife gets on me all the time about and she's not wrong for doing so is that you have to keep an eye on it because all it takes is 30 seconds of inappropriate fill in the blank with that kid Mm. and you have just mentally scarred them for life and so that is my biggest concern is 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 adults taking advantage of children that makes me so scared i mean you don't have to be a helicopter mom if you know what i mean Mm. Uh, you don't have to be a helicopter dad, like you know, hovering over them all the time. You have to let out the leash as you go, and that's the best analogy that I could use. Is that as my kids have gotten older, moving into the teens now, is that you just slowly let out the leash. Like for example, my my son's going to be an excellent driver. I have no concerns that he's going to be a better driver than than I am. Um, my daughter getting into a car. Like, that is mm. a letting out of the leash. It's just <laughs> like, are, are we 100% sure here? My wife and I were looking at crash tests the other day of all these SUVs, and apparently oh, the Jeep Wrangler has the best, it's, I mean, it's just a freaking metal frame, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. we're, we're totally getting you a Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, yeah It doesn't crumple, doesn't great, great roll roll bars, all this stuff. Um, so those are the things that I think most parents end up invariably bucking up against as their kids get older. Is what does that leash look like, and how much do I have to let it out? But i tell you, the the network that you have and the people that you have around your kids, man, dead it, Make sure that they're wholesome and good people.
0: Well, so that kind of leads into this next question, which is boundaries. Please discuss. I fight with my teenagers on boundaries, along with my eight year old. It's my life. You can't tell me what to do. Um, you can't tell. You can't come in my room whenever you want. How dare you look at my phone? This is teenagers these days. Mm. As a parent, you want to be involved. Actually, we had... Um, uh, Romeo which was on the podcast, and uh, I think this episode will go up in two weeks or whatever. But he had an interesting take. He said his family does... When you get a phone, you you agree to random phone checks. Oh, yeah. So the mom goes, phone check, and everyone at a random time, these, everyone has to give their phone, and she goes through it. This is... you. You're agreeing to this when you take the phone that I pay for. Hmm. I thought that was interesting interesting way to do that. Um, how do you determine boundaries? Because as your kids get older, they're like, I need my privacy.
1: Well, so we have taken a more, I would say, more stereotypical Korean culture approach because my wife runs the house and she's deeply Korean. And we have essentially s- set up a, a very simple rule, which is if you're in our house, You play by our rules. Mm. If you leave the house, when, when you leave the house, then you can live by whatever rules you'd like. But as long as you're under our house, in which we are paying for food, water, shelter, clothing, basic amenities, you have no other choice. Why I know this is far more effective is because I was raised in a white household where white parents, and I'm speaking in generalities here for so For everyone out there, don't get offended. This is just my experience. White parents are far more liberal with boundaries Mm. and giving kids autonomy earlier than Korean culture and Korean parents do. Korean parents will be your parents all the way into your 40s. How do I know? Because my wife's parents are always speaking into my wife's (laughs) life, and she's in her mid-40s, okay? So I get this. I actually appreciate that. And I love that engagement because they're so deeply involved with my wife's life, my life by proxy, and obviously their grandchildren, my kids by proxy as well. I love that. My Caucasian white parents are a non-entity in the inputs to my parenting, to my kids, to my life. And so when I was raised in in a Caucasian and white family, we had those, we had, we had the options to be like, parents, you're out, I'm gonna do me. It's like, well, at 15 years old, you're stupid mm. and you do stupid things. And so I, I've t- we've taken the other approach, which is very simple. You're in our house, you play by our rules. You leave our house, you can play by whatever rules you want. When it comes to boundaries and cell phones and these types of things, my daughter feels, and we can ex- extrapolate on this later, but my daughter feels left out because she doesn't have a mobile mm. phone. Yet, And all of her friends are watching Barbie movies and, and go, doing, going to you know, Taylor Swift concerts, and she doesn't even know who Taylor Swift is. So there's, there's, there's a balance there that we've, we've done our best to give to our daughter specifically, but at the end of the day, I will tell you, and it's hard for my daughter to see this now, but I will tell you my daughter will fare far better in the future. Because she wasn't exposed to this nonsense and waste of times and these peripheral devices that are unnecessary, she will fare far better because when she is an adult, she will look at these mobile devices as a tool, not as an addiction. I think most kids are seeing this as an addiction these days. And so I don't know if I'm right. Only time will tell. But if you're the parent, guess what? You're going to be the parent for the rest of that child's life, period, full stop. Should you have a voice into their system? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I think from there, I would just want to touch on two things. One, you were adopted. Yes. And we will do an episode and conversation specifically on Adoptee and maybe your experience on it at a future episode. But for people like, wait a second, he doesn't look like he has white parents. But I kind of sound white, don't I? <laughs> there, there's <laughs> a little bit of context, and I think we'll devote a special episode just to that, if you don't mind. Maybe we could do
1: that for the family and behind the scenes, maybe. It's a little personal. Maybe we put it Maybe we'll
0: do that. Secondly, is that in order to have this my house, my rules mantra, it's something that you have to be able to communicate with and discuss with and be open with your kids from when they're young. Yes. It's easier if all of a sudden they're 14 years old, 15 years old, hormones rage, raging, and you're like, do you know what? I don't like the way things are going. Do you know what? From now on, it's my house, my rules. It's kind of late. Too late. Good luck. Because you haven't modeled it all the way up. Meaning... Before they're born, it's difficult. Start giving up and making small sacrifices. They're going to see your sacrifices. They're going to see the input you have. Start communicating with them. Communicate with them as if they're humans, Mm. not as they're babies. Because through communication, through open dialogue, through explaining and teaching life lessons over and over and over again, when you say when they're 14, you can't do it, this is my house. They're like, okay, that makes sense. If you try to instill that in too late in their life, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's too abrupt of a change. So if this is a problem for you now, I'm sorry. There were some mistakes made earlier on. You're not wrong. How to change that and how to maybe make that change will be a future episode. But no, there probably are techniques out there to help you at least somewhat.
1: And if I was, if I were to go farther, I would say this is one of the things, and one of the reasons why we want to create this behind-the-scenes mm. space because we've gone through this. We're ha- we have kids now, and we want to help parents be better communi- communicators to their kids, especially dads who are generally terrible at communicating the Correct. deeper life considerations uh, to their children, and it's, and it's mostly because most dads suck at communicating to their kids.
0: For every category of new parent or parent that we will ever talk about, it will all go back to one common theme you need strong male role models. And if you don't have that, I'm sorry, that sucks, but it's necessary. It's more important than anything else in life. So every theme will always go back to the fact that you need strong men in your lives. Yeah. and, and, and of, the, of strong men of value, strong men of integrity, strong men of honest, hard work. You need that. Because these are the models for not only your sons, for your daughters and the type of man you want your daughter to marry. Exactly.
1: Exactly. You got it. I w- I can agree 100% that is exactly where we will land in every every single conversation. Every single conversation. Spoiler alert. Especially if you're a man, if, especially if you're a man. Now is your time to put get your shit together. Like it's uh, it's there's almost no better way to say it. Get your shit together. The future of your family lineage, the future of your children. I don't think we're going over over. You know, I don't think we're going over over bounds here.
0: The f- their future depends on you. Yes, and when you're fifty, when you're sixty, and they're gonna say, "Hey, do you remember that Jets game you watched twenty five years ago?" You're like, "Uh, I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids."
1: Yeah, that shit never happens. No no, no. kid goes to their dad and say, hey, man, I'm so glad that you spent all that time watching the Jets and the Giants play. No, never said, never happened.
0: I think that's it for today. Absolutely. I appreciate you, buddy. And uh, again, sign up to freethingermovement.com, put in your email. Once we're ready to roll out this new program, you'll get notified. Next time, we will discuss single-parent households and probably the time after that, maybe broken homes.
1: Or we'll just talk about whatever we want to talk about because this is the free thinker podcast. And as much as we like to say that we have schedules and planning,
0: we have no plans. <laughs> Thank you everyone. Have a great day. <laughs> I like it. I like this direction. I mean, I, I like that. We talk about issues. social issues. It's interesting. It's relevant, but like the